The final parak of the Masechta includes many laws which are not actually related to the Masechta at all. However, since they were all said by the same two people, as we will see, and many of the laws are related to the Masechta, this parak is therefore the end of Masechta Ksubas. Now, as well as the many Beistin courts which were spread across Eretz Yisrael, there were special kinds of Beistin who particularly judged cases to do with money and more specifically to do with theft and robbery, and they decreed many decrees against thieves. And the Perak opens up by telling us that There are two such judges who were part of these Botedin who made many decrees on thieves. And they were in Yerushalayim. They were based in Yerushalayim. Some versions of the Mishnah, instead of reading Gezeirois, decrees read Gezeilois, thefts. And these two particular Dayonim, who were judges on these based in, one was known as Admoin, and the other was known V'chonon ben Avishalayim. Chonon Omer Shnei Chonon says two things, which the, this parak will bring. Admon Omer Shiva, Admoin said seven things. So in total we have nine things. These are nine things which they decreed in their based in, but the Chachom argued with them. So the first two Mishnahis will discuss that which Chonon said, and then we'll move on to Admoin. Somebody who went abroad, and he was married, but he went by himself. And after a week or two, there's nothing left in the house for his wife to eat. And his wife comes to Beeston, demanding that they sell her husband's property in order for her to be supported. The his wife is making a claim for food, and she wants Beeston to sell the property for that purpose. Chonon Oimer Chonon says, as we saw earlier on in the Masechta, when a woman's husband dies, and she is claiming the Kusuba from his inheritors, she is obligated to make a Shavua to swear that she has not yet received her Kusuba before taking that Kusuba from the inheritors. So Chonon says, it's true that the Halacha is the Shavua Basayif, that she needs to swear at the end of the marriage when she is collecting her kasuba, but when it comes to a time during the marriage where she is collecting that which she has the right to anyway to be supported, she never needs to swear in order to receive that support. Only if she is claiming something from the inheritors after her husband died for the sake of her kasuba. But when it comes to being supported, she does not need to swear anything. For example, she doesn't need to swear that her husband didn't leave with her money to support herself. At the end of the day, she could be making this whole thing up, and perhaps her husband left money for her. But according to Khanan, she does not need to swear, because that halacha was only said regarding receiving the kasuba after her husband has died. On the other hand, Nechlekwal of Bnei the sons of the Kohanim Gedolim, that's the plural for Kohen Gadol, they argued against Khanan, and according to them, Va'omru, they said, she needs to swear both at the beginning and the end, meaning even when it comes to swearing in order to receive the support, she would also need to swear that her husband didn't leave enough food or money for her. Who exactly were these sons of the Kohen Gadol? So it could be referring to literally the sons of multiple Kohanim Gedolim, Alternatively, we saw in the first parak of this Masechta, we learned that there was a basin of Kranim, or a basin who was responsible for things to do with Kranim. So there are those who explained that these were, this is the same thing as the Bnei Kanem Gedolim. Be as it may, they argued, and Omar Bidus ben Harkinas Kedivrehem, Bidus ben Harkinas said like the Bnei Kanem Gedolim, and not like Chonon. However, Omar Rechem ben Zakai, Rechem ben Zakai said, Yoth Omar Chonon, Chonon said well, and I agree with Chonon that Leitcho al she would only ever need to swear at the end when she's receiving the kasuba from her husband's inheritors. But when
when it comes to asking the beast in to sell his property in order to be supported, she does not need to swear at that point. Mishnah Beis, somebody who went abroad without his wife, and again, she hadn't, she didn't have anything to support herself with. And a particular man got up and supported his wife, the wife of the man who went abroad. And he did this voluntarily. And the question is, when the husband returns, can this man claim money from the husband? This wasn't a loan. He supported her voluntarily. So does he have any right to take back compensation for that? So if he said at the beginning that he is lending the woman money and that she needs to repay him, so since she agreed to that, she would be obligated to repay him. And where would she get that money from? Since it's payment for supporting her, she can claim that money from her husband. So in that case, he would receive compensation. But what about a case where it was not a loan? Chon Omer says, He has lost his money. You can't force the husband to pay him back because the husband never agreed to this. He can tell him, I never asked you to support my wife. However, the Bnei Karen Gedolim argued against Chonan Omra, and they said, This man can swear how much he spent supporting her, and he has got the right to take it from her husband. The assumption is that he did it with the intention that he would be repaid, and anyway, the husband is obligated to support her, so he was fulfilling this obligation of her husband, so he will be compensated for it. And in, again, Omar Bidus when Arkinas Kedivrehem, Bidus when Arkinas said, like the Bnei Hakkanim Gedolim, that he can receive compensation as long as he swears. But Omar Bidus when Zakai, Bidus when Zakai said, Yof Omar Chonon, Chonon said, well, and I agree with him, Hniach Ma'isol Karenatzvi. This is like somebody who placed money on the horn of a deer. Chances of him getting that money back are very, very small. As soon as the deer runs away, he's pretty much lost his money, and the same applies over here. So we have now seen the two decrees which Chonon said, and we saw who argues against him and who agreed with him. Mishnah Gimel, Admin Shiva, Admin said the following seven decrees. Number one, Mishnah May, somebody who dies, he left behind sons and daughters, in a situation where the property which he left behind is a lot. It's a large amount of property, and that means that there's enough property to support the man's daughters until they become a bigeres. A bigeres is when they fully mature, they reach the age of 12 and a half years old. Until then, they have the right to be supported from the inheritance. And so only if there is enough to support them until then, can the son split the rest of the inheritance between them as the inheritance. Habonim Yoshim, the sons would end up inheriting the Habonis and the daughters would be supported until they reach the stage of being a bigeres. However, if there's only a small amount of property, and that means that there is not enough, or there's no more than the amount necessary to support all of the daughters until they become a bigeres, says the Mishnah, the daughters have priority, and habonis yizainu, the daughters would be supported from that inheritance. The Habonim and the sons who should really inherit it, they'll have to go around doors begging for food. Literally, it means that they won't be supported, they won't receive anything from the inheritance, because the daughters take precedence. It could be that there'll be a little bit left for them to split as the inheritance, but not enough for them to live off. So that is according to the Tanakama, but Admin Oymer Admin says, Because I am a male, I should lose out. The real inheritance, according to the Torah, is only to the sons, so they should take precedence. And so according to Admin, the inheritance would be split equally between all of the sons and all of the daughters, and they would all be supported from that inheritance. Um, Raman Gamliel, Raman Gamliel said, I see and agree with the words of Admin, 
over those of the Tanakama. Mishadala, this Mishnah discusses the concept of Meidabamiktas. The halacha is if I come up to somebody else and claim that he owes me a certain amount of money or a certain amount of produce, whatever it may be, and he denies the entire claim. So Meidaraisa, there's nothing I can do. There is a rule which we learned about earlier on in the Masechta, Hamlitz Nechaveri Olav Haraya, one who wants to take somebody something from somebody else. He is the one who needs to prove that he is indeed entitled to it, and he cannot take it, and he can also not force the other man to make a shavua, to swear that he doesn't have his item. Since he denies the whole claim, this person has no basis for his claim, and therefore Midah Eraisa, he is not able to make that other person swear that he is telling the truth and that he doesn't owe this man anything. Midah Bonon, there's something known as a shavuas hesas, where he would be able to make him swear, but for the moment we are talking about Midah Eraisa. However, if that person admits to owing part of it, if let's say I, say I claim that he owes me 100 zuz, and he admits to owing 20 zuz, but he says that the rest of it is false. In that case, since we can already see that this person's claim is not totally false, and it has, that, it has got a basis, so the person who admitted, who made the who admitted to part of the claim, he would be obligated to make a shavua to swear that he does not owe the rest of the claim. Now what happens if somebody makes a claim against somebody else, Ruvain says to Shimon, you have my shemen, my jugs of oil. For example, I lent them to you, whatever it may be, but you have my jugs of oil. And Shimon says back to him, he admits to having his jugs. But empty jugs. Reuven claims that he told Shimon to look after his jugs of oil. But Shimon says that you only gave me jugs. You didn't give me jugs of oil. Admin Noemar Admin says, Since he admitted to part of Reuven's claim, Yeshava, he's obligated to make a Shavua mid Because according to Admin, within the claim of jugs of oil is really two different claims. One that he owes him jugs, and the other that he owes him oil. So since he admitted to the jugs, that's considered to be made with but this is not considered to be admitting to part of the claim, because the claim was only on the oil. It happened to be the oil was in barrels, and the amount of oil is judged by the barrels. And that's why he's claiming using the term barrels. The actual claim does not include the barrels themselves. And so according to the Chachom, amid Arisa, he would not be obligated to make a Shavua. Amram Gamliel, Amram Gamliel said, I see the words of Admain more than the words of the Chachamim, and I agree with Admain.